All of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow and is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows um, that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen. So, I like the fact that Jesus kind of opens here with uh, telling us to observe nature. It reminds me a lot of the Proverbs, which are filled with uh, advice that say, pay attention to this animal or that animal. Pay attention to the bee. See how hard they work. Pay attention to the ant. See how they work together. You get all of that kind of good, common, kind of parently advice out of the Proverbs, and Jesus seems to be in that vein as he's speaking here. His brother, James, who wrote the book of James, is also very much into that. I mean, James is to the New Testament what Proverbs is to the Old Testament. It's just wisdom. It's, it's advice. It's good teaching. Like, be slow to anger and be slow to speak, uh, but be quick to kind of help the other. So this is the advice that I see that we're getting here. And as someone who kind of loves nature... I love the fact that the Bible kind of points to nature as a place that we might go to find advice about how we should live. Angela, the girls, and I are just returning. In fact, we got back last night. We spent the week in Tennessee uh, at a lake house. Uh, Hannah had graduated the Friday before here in town, and then Katie graduated the following Sunday in Kentucky, which made for one long day. Let me tell you, you put eight of us in a minivan 16 hours later, you just pray for me. I'm still recovering. I know. I need to come to that group that Valinda's having next week. So um, a lot of us uh, today might kind of buy some flowers or give some flowers to, to uh, uh, our mom or to someone close in our lives. If you do that, uh, just take a minute uh, and look at that flower. Uh, look at that rose or that daisy or, or that carnation. And, and see how beautiful it is, how delicate it is, how it kind of unfolds. These are the things that we're talking about. Uh, one of the most kind of important books in my life is by Belden Lane. It's called The Solace of Fierce Landscapes. And Belden, as he was writing it, he traveled kind of around the globe to these places where the landscapes were really quite fierce. Uh, deserts and mountains and valleys. And as he was there, he kind of spent time in prayer and in solitude, kind of seeking after God. Uh, the book was also written at the same time that Belden, as he was going home, was visiting his mother who was dying of cancer. And so he'd get those personal testimonies woven together too. And the book was filled with both prose that kind of you know, reflect, kind of spiritual reflection, as well as some poetry and some fiction. I love it because I think Belden has really captured this idea that Jesus is talking about when he's saying, slow down and pay attention to the things around you. That uh, sometimes uh, we get wound up 
in the present with this expectation that things should be different than what they are and our anxiety uh, peaks or it spikes, right? And our worry kind of grows. I might be dating myself here just a little bit, but when I was a kid, I really loved that song, I Love a Rainy Night. Anybody remember that, Eddie Rabbit? Yeah, thanks, Fred. Right? I love a rainy night. I'm not going to sing it for you. Um, but it hit the top of the charts, I think, in like 1981. And I do. I really do love rainy nights. There's nothing quite like it. The, the lake house that we were just at had a metal roof, and it rained one night. I like love the sound of that. And we love it so much that now we find artificial ways to play that type of music. Like if... At home, we ask our Alexa to play pink noise, which is kind of like white noise, but it's at a different frequency to kind of help you sleep. Anybody else do that? No? Just us? <laughs> but even, even when I travel, right, I pull out my phone, and I have my phone play this sound that sounds basically like a rainy night because there's something calming about it. There's, for me, I love the water. Uh, we... Uh, several days, we took a boat kind of out on the lake that we were on. And there's nothing, there's nothing quite like that. It is just so peaceful. It's so uh, calming. So perhaps you like the beach. If you do, you live in the right place. Uh, perhaps you like the mountains. Uh, if you do, then maybe you can go to like Highlands. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> highest point around here. But uh, the... The church fathers, the, the early kind of church thinkers, have often talked about the way in which creation is this source of comfort and this source of knowledge about God. Basil the Great wrote this. He said, I want creation to penetrate you with so much... Uh, uh, yeah, excuse me. I want creation to penetrate you with so much admiration that wherever you go, the least plant may bring you a clear remembrance of the Creator. One blade of grass or one speck of dust is enough to occupy our entire mind in beholding the art with which it has been made. So that wherever you go, the smallest piece of creation, if you can slow down and look at it, can remind you about the intricacies and the beauty with which it's been made. Uh, St. Augustine, as we call him in uh, academic circles, it's not somebody different than St. Augustine, you know, the city in Florida. And as Floridians, we often say Augustine. But in any case, I'll say Augustine. He, he says this, Some people, in order to discover God, read books. But there is a great book, The Very Appearance of Created Things. Look above you. Look below you. Note it. Read it. God, whom you want to discover, never wrote that book with ink. Instead, he set it before your eyes, the things that he made. Can you ask for a louder voice than that? Bonaventure said, Throughout the entire creation, the wisdom of God shines forth from him and in him, as in a mirror containing the beauty of all forms and lights, and as in a book in which all things were written according to the deep secrets of God. Truly, whoever reads this book, that is creation, will find life and will draw salvation from the Lord. Moving forward, kind of through church history, we come to Martin Luther, who says that God writes the gospel 
not in the Bible alone, but also on trees and in the flowers and clouds and stars. And then lastly, uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky. Love all of God's creation, the whole of it, every grain of sand. Love every leaf, every ray of God's light. Love the animals, love the plants, love everything. If you love everything, you will soon perceive the divine mystery in things. And once you perceive it, you will begin to comprehend in a, a better Comprehend it better every day, and you will come at last to love the whole world with an embracing love. So Jesus tells us, don't be anxious. Look around. See how God cares for creation. So there, there are three things that I'd like to say kind of quickly. The first is that worry is unnatural. Uh, we're not born to be worriers. It's a learned response to life. In fact, uh, you have to practice to get good at it. Uh, fortunately, worry can be unlearned. The only uh, species in, God cre in God's creation that suffers significantly from worry, it is said, is human beings. That is, that we don't think that God can take care of us. Now, I might take some issue with that. I'm pretty sure that my dog worries. He seems to worry as we leave, like whether or not we're coming back. And at the moment, we have Katie's dog uh, for the next, I don't know, couple of months. She's moving to Fort Myers, and so it's moved in, and it's on Prozac. So we have to give this dog Prozac every day. So apparently there are some animals who worry. Little Marty, this mutt that lives in my house right now, worries. Things on Prozac. But will say that our, our natural state should be one of, of comfort. Secondly, worry is unhelpful. Like, worry doesn't do anything really for us. It doesn't do anything for our conditions. Uh, worry doesn't work, frankly. Uh, it can't change the past. It can't control the future. It only makes you miserable today. And worrying about a problem never solves a problem. Now, I might say that <clears throat> at night, it seems to me that worry comes, uh, or anxiety comes more easily. So in the mornings, it's like, oh, the sun rises and I feel a little better. But in the dark, sometimes it's hard to sleep and the troubles of this life kind of bear down, right? We, we worry about what's going on with our job or what, what's going on with our relationships or what's going wrong with our health or the health of our loved ones or what's going on with our children. And, and I think that is pretty common. And I, I want to say, hopefully in a nuanced way, that I'm not just saying uh, stop worrying and get over it. I mean, I think that's the, kind of the worst thing you could say to someone who actually has some anxiety. This is not for those of you who are kind of suffering from kind of clinical anxiety or depression. I, I want you to see a counselor. Um, this is for a more kind of general condition, a practice of life, that not to let ourselves kind of get into a rut where we 
we fret over things that we can't do anything about. So that the worry itself, um, we do it as though it's going to help us. When in reality, not only can it not help us, but it actually can kind of hurt us as well. And the truth of the story is, if we can step back from the situation, the worry is unnecessary. God has promised to take care of you. He's promised to take care of us. Our goal now is to just trust God. Trust God with all the details of our lives. As a child should be able to trust their parents. And, and granted, I know too that maybe not all of you came from families where you could trust your parents. But we're imagining kind of an ideal, uh, how things should be. Uh, there's this uh, wonderful book. There's been times in my own life where I've dealt with kind of anxiety issues or kind of depression uh, up against something that I had no power whatsoever to control. Yet I felt like this was kind of a do or die situation, right? Um, concerned about the, the faith of my children or concerned about the faith of some of my students. And I was really kind of in a dark spot. And I got a hold of Brendan Manning's Ruthless Trust. Uh, and I, I don't know if you, you've read much of Manning, but he, he's a kind of a, he writes on spirituality and prayer and kind of following God. Um, he's more popular for his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. But his, his book, Ruthless Trust, really did a lot for me because his argument there is that what we say about God is true. What Scripture says about God is true, that we can kind of lean heavily into God, that we can trust God to take even the worst situations and make something good out of them. So here's the challenge, is that sometimes we worry so much that we actually get in the habit of worrying, like we become good at it, right? I'm a hypochondriac. I always think that I'm sicker than what I actually am. And it didn't help that Matt Hewitt, my best buddy, was also a hypochondriac. So when Matt and I were together, man, we were both dying, you know? <laughs> Matt's like, my kidney's hurting. I'm like, it's probably cancer. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, my head's hurting. He says, well, you know, meningitis is a common thing on college campuses. Look, two, two simple steps for today. One, trust God with every area of your life. Matthew says this, but your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well what you have need of. He will give them to you if you give Him first place in your life and live as He wants you to. And secondly, Live just one day at a time. Don't, don't kind of wallow in the past and, and don't always be expecting some kind of future kind of ideal or some kind of future tragedy. But just live one day at a time. Again, Matthew says this, so don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of tomorrow too. Live for God today. You know, we have a book in the Bible that's all about lamenting. 
it's, in, in a way, it's about anxiety and troubles. We call it lamentations, right? It's when people lament about the troubles in their lives. That's interesting to me. So we have books like Proverbs that say, pay attention to reality, pay attention to nature, see how things work. You know, this can also work for you. God cares for you. But on the other hand, we have books like Lamentations, that sometimes things get so bad that the only faithful thing to do is actually cry out and say, oh, God, help, right? But even in the midst of Lamentations, it's Lamentations chapter 3, these beautiful little words that says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. So hold on. His mercies are new in the morning. Trust that in the end, God will work things out. Let's pray. How wonderful, O Lord, are the works of your hands. The heavens declare your glory. The ark of the sky displays your handiwork. In your love, you have given us the power to behold the beauty of your world robed in all of its splendor. The sun and the stars, the valleys and the hills, the rivers and lakes all disclose your presence. The roaring breakers of the sea tell of your awesome might and beasts of the field and beasts of the air bespeak your wondrous will. In your goodness, you have made us able to hear the music of the world. The voices of loved ones reveal to us that you are in our midst. A divine voice sings through all creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Look, as you go out this week, um, we have something for you as you leave. It's one of those kind of wristbands, and we want you to take one. And on it, it says, when you worry, you suffer twice. When you worry, you suffer twice. And so put that on kind of wear it this week, and I challenge you that anytime you catch yourself worrying, take it off and then stick it on the other hand. And then we'll see, you know, how often we, we suffer from, from this. And some of us might be taking it off a lot and moving it back to the other hand, but it's, it's durable, right? So let it remind you that when you worry, you suffer twice and you can trust in God.